The stadium shakes with excitement. The home team is up 24 to three. Number 45 steps onto the field. He is 5'6 and weighs a whopping 166 pounds. The crowd erupts as he comes into the field and there are only seven seconds left in the game. Quarterback under center and this feisty substitute finds his way to the defensive line, a position filled by guys a foot taller than him and 100 pounds heavier. The ball is snapped, and number 45 makes his way around the end, slipping from an offensive lineman, rushes the quarterback, sacks him, and ends the game. The crowd continues to roar in excitement. The mustard seed defies all odds. The mustard seed is Rudy. This epic scene from this iconic sports movie gives a great image for us to ponder with the words spoken by our Lord today. I reminded you at the beginning of Mass, parables always have an unexpected element. And it's precisely at the unexpected element that caused your head to turn or ask, why did he say that? You can find the meaning of the parable planted right underneath there. There's no question that when you think of the word kingdom, you might also think of the word empire. A nation that takes over under other nations. It has power. It has authority. It makes its presence known in the world. You might call them the Goliaths in history. And so you're sitting there 2,000 years ago listening to Jesus speak. His words are fascinating. And he begins to speak about this kingdom of heaven, this kingdom of God. And then he gives an image to liken it to, to compare it to. And this is what he says. The kingdom of God is like a mustard seed, the smallest of all the seeds. Your head turns because that's the last image you would have used. You maybe would have used the image of a large, large identity of something. But he says, no, it's like a mustard seed. And then he continues. He says, but once it is sown, it springs up and becomes the largest of plants. So this kingdom of God, this kingdom of heaven is like a small mustard seed and a big bush. You're thinking it's going to be a majestic cedar, a big oak tree or magnolia. But he just says, it's just a big plant. A mustard seed plant that gets maybe six to ten feet tall compared to all the other trees super super small why is this so shocking why would have this caused their heads to turn we have to go to our first reading from the prophet Ezekiel and God makes this prophecy that he's going to plant this tree the tree being an image for his new kingdom and he says, it shall put forth branches and bear fruit and become a majestic cedar. Birds of every kind shall dwell beneath it, every winged thing in the shade of its bows, and all the trees of the field, that is, all the nations, all the other kingdoms of the world, shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken and will do it. 
And so you're sitting there, you know the prophecies, and you're waiting. The kingdom of God is like a mustard seed in a big bush. This was not what they expected. Rudy was not the ideal defensive lineman. No scout in their right mind would ever have picked him for that position. But you see, there's something in Rudy that not many people else have. It's the unteachable variable. Courage. Heart. You see, he has a power that doesn't come from his own physical body or strength. It's kind of like that first half of Jesus' words today. He says the planter goes out to sow, and maybe he waters his field, but he has no clue how it grows. There's a power beyond himself. There's a power beyond his control that allows for the harvest to come to fruition. He did nothing to make it grow. You see, the growth of the kingdom of God is a mystery because it has a power beyond our abilities. And the kingdom of God is unique. And Christ paints for us this picture today to remind us that the kingdom of God doesn't look like you would expect it to. You think a strong cedar, he says, a mustard seed and just a big plant. That's because its power is not natural, but supernatural. And so what is this kingdom? What is this big bush that Jesus is talking about? It's the church. The church is the kingdom of God in seed form, in miniature. And the church doesn't look like you would expect it to, for it to be the kingdom of God in miniature. It's, per it's persecuted a lot, but yet it still thrives. Its focus and end is not worldly power, deep bank accounts, and perfect people. It's small, weak, poor, and full of a lot of sinners. And this is what the church is. But it has a power beyond itself to make it grow. It has the power of grace, God's own divine life. It has the power of the sacraments. It has the power of the one who became weak and poor and took on all of our sins so that we might become strong and rich in his mercy and holy. And we recognize the church started off with 12 men mostly uneducated fishermen. But yet now, 2,000 years later, it has over billions and billions of people. And looking at that, you may ask, how? How does it grow? Because it has the power of the Holy Spirit. It has the power of God. What other entity, what other empire, what other kingdom has lasted for 2,000 years under such persecution? None of them. And think about this for a second. What's the main message of the church? 
God became man and then was crucified and died. But St. Paul says that that's what he preaches because that's the power of God. What a vision and mission statement. We must remember that to be strong in virtue, to be rich in love and mercy and peace and joy, and to be holy, we must first become willing to be weak, to become poor in the eyes of the world. It's the unexpected. It's the mustard seed approach, you could say, but it always, always succeeds and gets bigger. And it's something that people always flock to and seek to dwell within. To all you fathers out there, I didn't forget about you. This parable is for you. Because in the eyes of the world, you are told to be men who never look weak. Don't cry, don't show emotion. Be brave, but you're also stupid. You're supposed to get powerful. You're supposed to make a lot of money. You're supposed to lord it over everyone. But St. Paul tells us twice today, and Jesus through this parable says, no, no, no. You must be men of courage. The word courage comes from the Latin word core. Core in Latin means heart. So to have courage, to be a man of courage, means to act from the heart, but not just any heart. It's to act from a heart that is after the heart of Christ, a heart in tune with Jesus. We need men, husbands, and fathers who act from a heart that seeks to be like Jesus Christ. We need men, husbands, and fathers who are willing to have heart-to-heart conversations with God and with Christ, with their wives, with their children, with their coworkers, with their colleagues, with their friends. We need men, husbands, and fathers who are courageous enough to journey within their own heart to be vulnerable. We need men, husbands, and fathers who know that they're first beloved sons of the Father who gives his heart to you. We need men, we need husbands, we need fathers who are courageous. To be a father means also to be courageous enough to build upon the kingdom, which is your family. A kingdom that doesn't seek worldly accolades, power, fame, recognition, and wealth, but a kingdom that knows where its power resides. The family, like I said, is the kingdom of God in miniature. And just like the kingdom of God now, it's small like a mustard seed, but it has power beyond itself. It has a power to change something, to affect something. 
It needs to be a kingdom rooted in the heart of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Fathers, I have a couple questions for you to consider this morning. Are you courageous enough to continue to build upon the kingdom of your family? That small kingdom of God. Are you courageous enough to be vulnerable before God, before your family, before your friends? Are you courageous enough to fight and work tirelessly for the salvation of your soul and the souls of your family? Are you courageous enough to look the world in its ugly face and say, you will not be the king of my household. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Are you courageous enough to let Jesus show you what it means to be a man, to be a husband, and to be a father? Are you courageous enough to journey into your own heart and encounter God there? Now, you may think, Father, that sounds great, but not me. Not me. It can't be me. Let me remind you of a little guy named Rudy. Rudy said, well, I don't fit the characteristics of a defensive lineman, but I'm going to give my heart. I'm going to have courage. And he became the unexpected one. Be the unexpected one. Be the one that say, that guy? Him? You say, no, no, no. Him. That's where my power to become a man is. That's where I get my courage to become the best father and the best husband I can be. So have courage. Have heart. Rely on the power of the one who show, showed us how to love. And for you men out there, how to love as a man. A love, it looked weak, it looked poor, but it had the power to change the world. It had the power to draw billions of people to him. This is the one who we look to as our power.